I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hey, podcast listeners. I want to introduce you to Own's new original podcast. It's called Trials to Triumphs. Just love that title. It's hosted by Netflix star, producer, and content creator, Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins. Here's what's great. Ashley's going to be talking to all kinds of people to learn how they use their setbacks to fuel their dreams. She wants to look behind the perfect picture that we see on social media and get to the truth about the trials and triumphs that shape everybody's lives. So I hope you check out Trials to Triumphs, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. This is Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, and I want to thank you, Oprah, for that beautiful introduction. I also want to thank you for letting me slide into your podcast today. We wanted to give you a preview of my new podcast called Trials to Triumphs, because I love to hear stories about the peaks and valleys of people's lives. There's so much to learn from them, and I've picked guests that really inspire me. Recently, I had a powerful conversation with actress Soniqua Martin-Green. You know her from five seasons on The Walking Dead and as Captain Michael Burnham on Star Trek Discovery. But in real life, she is one of the most remarkable people. In this episode, we talked about how she managed her deep grief after losing both her parents just one day apart. I think her story will leave you comforted, inspired, and a little wiser on how to handle grief because we're all going to experience it if we haven't already. Subscribe to Trials to Triumphs, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, I'm sitting with the brilliant and beautiful Soniqua Martin-Green, and we're talking about grief. Grief is a greedy beast. You could be having a good day, the first one in a while, and then it will just shut you down or make you blow up. Back in 2015, I booked my very first pilot for what I thought would be a new hour-long drama hit. At this point in my life, this was the biggest achievement of my career, and I hung every hat in my closet on it. Not a good idea. Don't recommend this at all, by the way. I had not one doubt that the show would get picked up by the network, and, well, it didn't. And when I found out, I had a panic attack. I was so distraught and heartbroken and went through what I've described as a grieving process for what could have been. Everything I'd imagined would follow. The dream career, the fabulous life. I mourned things that I never even had. But after chatting with Soniqua, I realized that there are levels to grief. At its core, it's life-altering, ground-shaking. Grief changes who you are on a cellular level. Soniqua was soaring through multiverses as the first Black woman to be captain on Star Trek when her life on Earth drastically changed. Her father passed away. And a day later, so did her mother. She talks to me about how she is working to process the unimaginable every day. I've tried to put words to it. I've tried to sort of conceptualize it for myself and for others. But it's like it's constantly changing form and like 
stretching out and then coming real tight. And it's like there's there's fire and lightning inside of it. And, and then sometimes there's water. And sometimes it's it's like it just, sometimes it goes transparent. Sometimes it's like rigid. Sometimes it flows. Like it's so crazy. After the credits in our Sankofa moment, why Soniqua wants to thank a Black woman warrior from history. I value sacrifice and I value, uh, I value warriors. Like I, I, I value that like, you know, cause I- Like your mom, your mom. Like exactly, exactly like my mom. Oh man, so neat. Oh, what's up, Ashley? Wow. This is a long time coming. It really is. It really is. It's wild because here's the thing. I am a huge fan of you, just like actress to actress. So I'm a huge fan of yours. Yeah. And we just so happen to have the same manager. That's right. We love him. Nobody like him. <laughs> Mike is amazing and he's just the gift that keeps on giving because even just sitting here with you today, I already know that you're someone who's going to be in my life. So mm. I am just so excited to go on this journey with you, Sonequa. Oh my goodness, Ashley, you have <laughs> blessed me. <laughs> oh man. It's time, right? It's like, it's, it's time. It's an honor for me to be here. Thank you for having me. Take me back to your first home, mm. Alabama. Mm. What do you know for sure about home? Mm. Well, going back to my original home, I've learned over the years that home is built, right? And home is created and home has to be nurtured and home changes and shifts and grows now that my parents are gone, my understanding of home has really been blasted open and my acceptance of home has really shifted uh, and deepened. So where I come from, like the, the roots are deep and, and thick mm. and strong. And it's like the roots are so strong that they're the kind that would break through concrete, right? Um, mm. I, I'm so proud to be where I'm from, be from where I'm from. Russellville is the name of the city. But I spent so much of my life running from it and wanting to get away because mm. I, I had this drive that I, I know God gave me. I don't take credit for it. It was just deposited in me and mm. I had to go. I had to go, I had to go. And at that time, I felt like I had to sort of rip myself out, like kind of like um, plucking a, a flower out of the ground or something. And what I'm learning now that I'm reevaluating my life and my past and my parents and my upbringing and myself is that that was needed at the time, but I'm circling back around now because it was never gonna be the way uh, forever. It's just what was needed at the time. But now I feel like there's almost a regrafting going on in my soul and in mm. my spirit where I'm planting myself back into where I came from. I love, I love uh, what you said about roots. Yeah. I think what's really cool about roots 
is that they're forever. Mm-hmm. Even if you even if you pull them out, even if you even if you pluck that tree right up out the ground, there are remnants of yeah. the roots. Yeah. You can't go as deep as the roots can go. It's impossible for humans to do that. Right. Uh, we don't have that power, I don't think. And so I love that that the idea of if you have roots planted. Mm-hmm then you're always there. You might live in Los Angeles, but you're always in Russellville. Oh, you're yeah. always there. Oh yeah. That's really profound. I I want to I want to talk about your parents. Yeah. I want to talk about your relationship with them. Mm-hmm. How they shaped you. Mm. What the past couple of years has taught you in relation to your relationship with your parents and all that's happened. So start with what they instilled in you. What did your parents instill in you that you're now instilling in your children? Mm, That's a great question. Oh, man. Uh, Well, I... There's obviously so many things uh, that that they instilled in me, but some of the things that I that I call to the most or that I'm the most grateful for have to do with they have to do with with work, with sacrifice, and interestingly enough, with art. Um, my parents were um, vastly different from each other. My my mom. Um, was Christian and my dad was Muslim. And so Mm. that was a very challenging thing (laughs) uh, to deal with as a child, especially trying to find my own spiritual path. And there was a lot of confusion and tension uh, because of that. But I appreciate it too, because it it really um, opened my mind and, uh, you know, made my perspective bigger. I appreciate that very much. Um, but my mom, my mom was really, truly a warrior and she was heroic. She was stalwart and Mm. she just was like this engine. She just never stopped. And she battled cancer, uh, three different times and survived. And what she finally passed from was a heart attack um, because then she had Mm. a fourth diagnosis and we ended up having to deal with that toward the very end of her of her life she could do anything her pain tolerance was like on a superhero level Mm. and just never stopped she never stopped she never stopped so that forward momentum is something that I am so grateful I witnessed and and I do believe she instilled in me and 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 even i i even think it's in my dna uh from her and my father was a warrior in in a different way because my father was a warrior of the mind and Ooh. he was 
such a learned man and was a sort of, um, we used to joke that he was like Duncan McLeod of the Clan McLeod. I don't know if you uh, used to watch Highlander in the 90s, that show Highlander. No. Uh, it's, it's all about this man that's immortal, that lives all these different lives through, through history. Mm. But my father lived so many different lives and, um, and, ha- and was so cultured in that way and mm. d- dabbled in, so- in some of everything. And um, was very much a uh, a pro black man, um, and mm. really like taught us so much about race, about our blackness, uh, about racism, and to a fault uh, because he was very hurt as as well. You know, my my parents lived through the civil rights movement. My parents had to go to the colored water fountain. Wow. Did they grow up in Alabama, Sonequa? My mom did. Uh, my dad, he spent some years in Mississippi, but then he he eventually um, spent his formative years in, in Michigan. Um, Got it. But they remember having to enter into the back of establishments. My mom's senior year of high school was the first year Russellville City Schools were integrated these stories that like they were very close to me. It's like mom and daddy. It's mm-hmm. like it, it it was history was right there, like in in my, you know, in front of my face. I got a lot, I got like grit from mama and like intellect in in a way from daddy and how they sacrificed for us. I didn't even realize what the sacrifice really was. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand it fully until now. And for the first time, sadly, for the first time, I truly feel proud of them because being able to see the totality of someone's life. I mean, of course, I didn't see their lives before I was born, but and didn't see it as I was a baby and whatnot. But from my first memory to the the end of their lives, it's like I can look at that and it's like laid bare before me and what they came through and rose above to create the life that I had, I didn't understand mm. it. I was focused on the trauma because there was a lot of of, of stuff. Yeah. D- do you feel like your parents, especially your father, it, it sounds like, do you think that they were able to process the hurt while they were still here? Or do you think they were in process? Um, that's also a great question. I don't think, I think uh, like a lot of other people in their generation, there just wasn't a lot of room for it. Mm. We have the luxury now of having the room for it. Right. And therapy and self-care time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, what did that mean to that generation? You know, it was still about survival. Uh, for them. And for them to think higher was such a testament to their character because it was still so much about survival. So I think that they were processing as much as they possibly could. It's just heartbreaking that at the time it felt like it was nowhere near enough for me. But now I, I see that it was enough because it was all they could do. And I know we say that flippantly. We say that a lot. It's like, oh, but they did their best. It's like, no, but what do, when you really like break, break that down, what that means, mm. I have the clarity now to really break that down. 
um, and, and, and pick that apart and really look at the manifestation, really look at the manifestation of it, um, all the different ways that manifested. I pray a lot about them and I, and I talk to the Lord a lot about them and, and I'm like, you know, I'm so proud of them and mm. tell them I said that, uh, <laughs> that I'm really proud of them. Yeah. And I'm so, I, I wasn't fortunate enough to meet your parents, but if you are the combination of your parents, then I know that they were fantastic people. Yeah. Thank you. So, Soniqua, I, I can't even think of anything just more heartbreaking uh, that can happen to somebody than losing their parents within mm. a day of each other. So my question to you is surrounding grief mm-hmm. and your parents were so different, so different, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. I would say the same. I think my parents are, are, are very different people, yeah. but with grief in this way, hitting you within 24 hours. Yeah. With them being such different people, did you grieve differently? Or were you in the midst of grief, like kind of all balled up into one? Or did you literally have a different process with each? And Mm. what was that? And how did you get through it? Or how are you getting through it? Mm. Right, right, that part. Um, So my father was diagnosed with liver cancer on March 2nd. And liver cancer moves quickly. Five weeks later, he went home. Um, and my sisters and I, um, and es- and especially my uh, my sister uh, Nikisha, who I, she's my my um, my only whole sister that I grew up with in the same home. Keisha and I, um, you know, we shared mama and daddy, and there was a lot going on with the mm-hmm. both of them at the same time because, like I said, there was a there was a fourth cancer battle that mama was kind of um, going through um, at the same time. She she was already in recovery and was on her way and things were settling down with her. But, you know, we sort of felt like we, that it was hard to, to be uh, focused on both of them at the same time. So we, we would, mm-hmm. we would encourage each other in it and we would say like, okay, like one parent at a time kind of thing. Cause, cause it was mm-hmm. really big stuff that was happening with the both of them. So then when daddy uh, passed, we actually never spoke to mama. We never, ever got to speak to her and about it. You know, it's uh, my sister said it's, it was it was so poignant. She said, you know, my 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 mom, my mom passed and I didn't and I can't talk to my dad about it. And my dad passed and I can't talk to my mom about it um, when he left. And when the coroner came to 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 pick up his his pick him up, uh, we said, okay, you know, like we have to focus on, on mama now, Mm. but you know, we didn't, we called her and called her and called her and called her, uh, that following day and never got, never actually spoke to her. Uh, and then the, the very next day, um, you know, we find out that she 
was gone also. Mm. And I just, it was a, it, we were in a Target parking lot. Wow. I, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I can't even describe it. Um, my, one of my sisters, uh, Charlie, called Kenrick because, Ken, Kenrick, my husband, because he was still in Toronto and FaceTimed him. And I was just sitting in, in the, you know, my, me and Nikisha, we, we, we just collapsed, you know, mm-hmm. on the parking lot. And our sisters had to help us get into the car. And I was just sitting in the back seat, and I and I and now I understand denial because it just was too much for my, for my brain to, to to process. It was like, no, this can't be true. This is not real. This can't be real. This is a horror film. Like this isn't real. This can't be. And so I just kept saying, no, I don't believe it. Like I don't, I don't believe it. I I, I don't believe it. I I I don't believe it. And when I looked at, you know, my husband on the screen, I, I couldn't speak. I, I was trying to speak, but, but it was like, it was like these uh-huh. mumblings and it took days for me to accept it as reality. Days. When I got the call that her, that my mom's body had been transported from where the autopsy was performed to the church, I wanted to ask him, so are you sure she's dead? Yeah. Because maybe she's asleep. So to answer the second part of your question, I think I've learned that I can't really put words to this. Mm-hmm. I've tried to put words to it. I've tried to sort of conceptualize it for myself and for others, but it's such a freaking, like, it's like this, like, nebulous of, like, it's like it's constantly changing form and, like, stretching out and then coming real tight. And it's Mm. like, there's, there's fire and lightning inside of it. And, and Uh. like, and then some t- sometimes there's water and sometimes it's it, it's like it just sometimes it goes transparent sometimes it's like rigid sometimes it flows like it's so crazy ashley mm. i mean planning their funerals simultaneously was like this i feel like most of the time we were kind of disassociated like it, it because numbness comes in too sometimes and mm. you, it might make you think that you don't care, but like there was a period where I was crying. Every time I would cry, I would almost, I would cry so hard that I would throw up. Mm. And then there was a time where it was just a tear here, here or there. And then there was a time where there was, it was dry, a time of numbness one day I'm hit with daddy. Another day I'm hit with mama. Some days I'm hit with both of them at the same time. Sometimes it's just like I'm in a, a place where I'm remembering mama for a while. And then sometimes I'm just remembering daddy for a while. Sometimes I'm remembering them as a, you know, and so it's just, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, 
that makes sense. How can you put words to a, a, a moment, a, a time, an experience that that literally changed your life forever? Forever. It'll never be the same. Never. You know? Never. Grief stays with stays with you. It's um mm. yeah. It's just it's just a part of you from from that point forward, it's, it's always there. And then, you know, a couple of months later, my husband lost his cousin who was like his brother. They were raised as brothers mm. in the same house. And, and so then, you know, that was also a big part of the experience of 2021. Grief really hit our household in a major way because I don't know what it's like to lose a sibling. So mm. we just were in such desperate need at the same time and didn't know how exactly to give. That's what I'm curious about. Was it easy to find? Like, no, not at all. Mm. There was nothing, nothing easy about it. You would think that it would be. Yeah. Because you're sharing in grief, right? But everybody's grief is so different. Mm -hmm. And everybody grieves so differently. So we are still finding it. We're still finding it. And I so appreciate you, Ashley. Um, I, I can't say it enough how much I appreciate what you're doing here. Because these conversations are so important. And they're hard to have because yeah. they're uncomfortable. So I thank you for asking these very difficult questions because... it's um, And making it a safe space to talk about this stuff because... It's um, it's really necessary. Yeah. Well, I thank you for saying that. That means so much because that's exactly what this is about. But thank you for trusting me. Mm. Thank you for trusting me. So I I don't have children yet. I I want to be a mom mm. one day. Uh, but something that I'm curious about is how did you mother? Mm. How did you continue? <laughs> to mother through this? How are you mothering right. and wifing? Through it, yeah. Like that, I have got to know uh -huh. what is going on, sis. How Ooh. are you managing? Um, whew. You know, I, something that has been very hard but also very beautiful is mm. finding my parents and my children. Mm. <laughs> um, and thankfully that happens a lot, almost daily, you know, because DNA, blood, roots. Mm. I, um, I feel a little bit like Encanto, uh, the song, Surface Pressure. I felt like 2021 was very much that, where it was just like, Pile it on, pile it on, pile it on. Watch as she buckles and bends, but but doesn't break, right? Although I do feel like I broke, um, I have to say. You know, I was also leading the show too at, at the at the same time because yes, I left. Which we gotta get into. Yeah, I left to go take care of daddy um <sighs> and spend a week with him. And then it ended up being a two-week trip because of everything that happened. And because of the, you know, the homegoing services and everything. And then I just went right back to work to finish season four. And I take my leadership role really seriously on that show. So it was, it was a lot. And I could honestly say, looking back on it now, that a lot of that was a blur. 
but I needed it to, I needed it as a distraction. And so the Lord orchestrated it happening that way. And I'm grateful to him for it because I needed the distraction. And so I say that leading into the joy of my children and the joy of my husband, because they are such places of refuge and escape and joy. Amen. And if I didn't have them to mother, it would have been a very different situation. And I know that. And, and that's 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 the reality for me. But man, just being able to dive into them, you know, it's not just salve to the wound. It's like um, it's like an invitation to keep living, right? And it's an invitation wow. to, it's like, hey. I'm a source. I can be a source of, 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 of joy for you and you need it right now. And, and they give it, they don't even realize what they're doing for you just by their presence, just by how sensational they are. They just lift me out of it uh, so often. So, I mean, there were certainly times, I mean, you know, I had to have the conversation with my son, like, you know, if you see mommy crying or if you, if mommy seems different, if I seem, if I just don't seem normal, just understand that mommy's very sad and dealing with losing, you know, Nona and Papa, that's what, uh, that's what he called them. But I just, sometimes I feel like I'm cheating, to be honest with you. How so? It feels like because they give me so much joy, because it's like, man, I am so lifted by my family. And I know that that's not the case uh, for everybody. That's what I love about God or the universe, whatever you choose to believe <laughs> right. in. But I, I, it's so, I love the intentionality. Yeah. It is intentional that Kenrick has been your husband. Right. That was intentional. Absolutely. That was intentional. I think we always think that we have so much to do with. Right. We chose him. He chose yeah. us. Kind of not really. That's we right. We had to listen to the call. That's right. right. <laughs> oh, yes. We just had so to listen. True. That's so true. That's so you just got to be tapped in. That's so true. It's overwhelming. Mm. It's like it's like it's too much to comprehend fully. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, but everything ends up being an invitation to keep living. Mm. You know? So... You're talking about how big grief feels. Yeah. I also think that disappointment can feel very big. It's not as big as grief, but disappointment can just, just sometimes I've had to, I felt so disappointed and it's so disappointed and so low. And I too have thought, how is everybody else walking around smiling and skipping and being happy? Uh, I'm over here feeling like my whole world has ended. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about moments or a moment that that has happened in your career. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm about to be real yes. honest. Yes. I mean, I've been real honest this whole time, but I'm about <laughs> to like, this is about to be a confession. <laughs> so I actually, so there have certainly been disappointments with like certain roles and everything, mm -hmm. right? But I feel like, the biggest disappointment that I've ever had in my career has been understanding the cost of success. Soniqua, I'm about to um, end this right now because I <laughs> am 
done. You haven't even started and you've taken me out. Oh my gosh, I just got chills. <sighs> that has mm. been such a heavy, heavy um, disappointment. Mm. When I started on Walking Dead, that was such a grueling show. And I mean, what a blessing and honor to have been a part of it for the five and a half or five years that I was there. And also what a blessing to be in New York City for the five and a half years I was there, because that also was grueling mm. and taught me a lot. But it really wasn't until Star Trek Discovery, when I was working 75 to 80 hours Oof. a week and was a new mother and um, and obviously, you know, having to be do my best at being a good wife. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, while he's doing his best to be a good husband. And it's like, I was so overwhelmed. <sighs> there were many days in my trailer where I was like, so this is impossible. My son is, you know, two and cries when I leave. I don't see him. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I see him here and there, but most of the time I am away from him and I'm away from my husband and I come home and either I work on tomorrow's yep. work or I spend some time with my husband. Either I, I get home and I'm able to get my son, I'm able to give him a bath and then like spend time with my husband, but now guess what? I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm not fully ready with this particular scene. I'm also in every scene for the most part. So it's like, so when am I living? When am I able to live my actual life? I don't understand. So how do I prioritize this? This is impossible. And I... Of course, it's not impossible. It, well, it is when you're, when, when, to, to what I believe is, is with God, all things are possible. And that's what I had to tap into. And I remember hearing a word that was, um, and it was, and it ended up changing my life, but I heard it right in this time, but it was a uh, harvest time is the hardest Ooh. time because all those crops have to be picked before they spoil. And that's when you're up all night. That's when you're working your fingers to the bone. That's when you're grounding yourself down to powder. Cause I felt like I was being ground down to powder. You know what I mean? It's like, but somebody's got to get that. Somebody's got to pluck it, mm. you know, or it's going to go bad. And so you think that the sowing is the hard part, but it's the reaping that actually is right. And mm. And so as I, now I have two children and because home is my favorite place, every job takes me away. Mm. And that's a really high cost to pay. The highest. Yeah. And so I've been thinking a lot about it. Mm. Um, and it is disappointing. Mm. Now, it's all divine and designed and necessary and all that stuff. You know, it's important for your children to see you operating in your calling. And I know that. And I know that I have my children for a reason. I know that I have my particular children for a reason. I know God knew what every, he knows it all. It's not that. It's, it's just, you know, 
the cost. Yeah, I'm I'm over here uh, holding back tears <sighs> because um, a lot of people are not honest about the cost. And I'm at a place in my life where I just know too much now. Yeah. About motherhood and marriage and mm-hmm. what it requires. And also having been acting professionally since I was 14. Right. I know also what this requires. And what makes me emotional is I almost feel too conscious of Mm. whatever the cost will be as I start to add things into my life that have always been just as important as the career dreams. An old castmate of mine just said to me at a convention a couple of weeks ago, she said, you know, it's very interesting that as women... Right at the time that, you know, you're really building your career is usually the same time that you're a young mother. Mm. And it's so interesting that that typically happens to a lot of women in this business. And so there is no such thing as balance. I remember reading uh, a quote from Shonda Rhimes that said that, that like, there's no such thing as balance. It's an illusion. Mm. And I've heard other mothers say that too. It's like, it's not about that because it's never going to be balanced. Like, that's not really how you think of it. It's like, you think of it in terms of priority and mm-hmm. the moment, the present moment. But I'm so happy for your paths, mm. your dreams, because, you know, one day, you know, we'll be, you know, when you're talking like, I, 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 do you know, I had to leave Sarah early because <laughs> this boy did this at school and I had to go pick him up because my husband couldn't go and da 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 And I'm going to be like, I just feel like, remember we know. talked about this? Oh, mm. remember we talked about Oh my this. goodness. Anique was so good. So that, well, uh, so that good. leads me to what has been your takeaway from our conversation? Ooh, I'm going to take away the, the healing of these kinds of conversations, mm. the healing, um, the healing potential of these authentic conversations. Um, and, and how important sisterhood like this yes. is. Ooh, you just, I knew that this is how it was like, I, felt intuitively this is how I was going to feel talking to you but I this so that's my takeaway actually I'm not even going to finish what I was going to say because that's Mm. my takeaway Mm. God will do exceedingly and abundantly above anything that I can ask for or imagine and that's what this has been every time exceedingly and abundantly. Well, Sonequa, I thank you. I love you and I honor you. I love you I really do. Thank you. And I feel that. Thank you so much. I mean it. I honor you and I love you.
For this week's Sankofa moment, stick around to find out who Soniqua is thanking from history. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Its senior editor is Verilyn Williams. Our sound designer is Cedric Wilson. Our managing producers are Camille Stennis and Paulina Velasco. Our assistant producer is Lauren Francis. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to podcasts to ensure you hear the next one. So, on The View, you said to Whoopi Goldberg, this is not my accomplishment. Yeah. This is the accomplishment of the people right. who came before me. And you thanked her. Right. So I want to know, who from history would you want to meet and say thank you to, and why? Oof, oof, oof. Ooh, what a good question. Okay, there's so many, but I will say that I value sacrifice and I value uh, I value warriors. Like I, I I value that like, you know, cause I- Like your mom, your mom. Like exactly, exactly like my mom. Exactly like my mom. And I know that Harriet, I know that Harriet Tubman is one of those that like, you know, especially even like in the South where you don't, or at least in my school, you know, we didn't really learn black history for real. Uh, sadly, uh, yeah. but you know, you don't always hear about Harriet. And so I never <laughs> really dug into her, her life and her story for real. But when you really dig into that woman's story, mm. I'm sorry, excuse me. You did what? Yeah. You made that jerk how many times? And you, and you sacrificed everything and did black Moses. Okay. Like it sounds like. Uh, a, a, a fiction. It sounds like a fiction book. Like it sounds like some kind of, you know. And so I just don't understand. Talk about someone talking about cost. <laughs> mm. It's like I, uh, yeah. I I just need to. I would just want to sit in that woman's face and just like touch her hand, like, mm-hmm. or just like cup her face. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. <laughs>